0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions, emotion regulation, anxiety, and of course, specifically resilience, since we're on our journey of resilience. And a key piece of this is emotional intelligence, which I've been talking about. So last week, I unpacked uh, a little bit more about emotional intelligence, why it's important for our children, for their well-being, their success, all of those types of things. Today, I'm going to talk about some specific strategies to help improve emotional intelligence, We wanna strengthen those skills to be able to recognize, to understand, to manage and express their own emotions as well as to recognize, understand, respond to other people's emotions as well. So that's really important when we're looking at emotional intelligence. It's about ours as well as other people's emotions. Now, last week I said that emotional intelligence is a learnable skill. It can be developed over time through intentional learning, through intentional practice and reflection obviously, we want to maximize everyday situations and experiences. But if this is a skill that children are lacking, and I find that they are, there's so many different reasons. I'm not going to blame it all on screens, but that is a piece just taking away from from opportunities, right? Screens are just robbing kids of opportunities to develop these skills. Nonetheless, I mentioned last week that it is learnable. And I also talked about uh, how... EI really starts developing at a, from a very young age long before they enter school so we really do as parents as caregivers as preschool teachers even i mean in, t- in school teachers obviously will do as well but we can start working on this and nurturing it early on but even if you have older children teens or even other adults in your life because i know that there's always lots of adults who could be working on this as well if they have low emotional intelligence it's not too late for anybody we can learn this still at any age. We can all work on improving it. Even myself, I'm an expert in this stuff and I'm always working on improving it and strengthening it. I also want to add too, it can be helpful to have a little, um, if you wanted, you could do a little mini assessment on children's emotional skills just to identify what those emotional strengths are that you can really capitalize on. But what are those areas to target? Something to think about. Now, I already alluded to certain strategies you can start working on, so I'll just expand further today. I can't address every single skill, but I'm going to give you lots of ideas how to focus on some of the most important essential ones. Uh, I do, of course, you know, in all of my trainings, my anxiety compass and other trainings that I do, I deep dive into a lot of this, of course, where we have 30 hours to go into it. But for today, just listen carefully, take some notes, choose one thing to focus on specifically for the rest of this week, the rest of the month wherever you're at just really focus on what would make the biggest difference keep track of others that you could you know keep in your back pocket for the future you might even want to come back and listen to this episode again um you know once you're done working on whatever that first thing is and a lot of this is actually common sense stuff it's already stuff that i've talked about lots over my podcast as well but one key way to really nurture that emotional intelligence is having open conversations about emotions. That's so important. Talking about our feelings, not just when we're upset, right? All the time, every day, we're just going to make that that expectation. So kids become comfortable sharing their feelings. That's really important. And I know in my family, that's important because I know that there are, it's not just my children you know, we, I, my spouse, you know, my husband, we, we have also had challenges, nothing, right? We just want to shove it down. We don't talk about it. But it's so important to be able to share about how we're feeling. The more we do this, the more comfortable they and us are going to be in the classroom, just sharing this all the time, just having whether it's as a class or it's in groups or pairs, whatever it is, the more we're talking about our emotions, the easier it is. And bonus, when we're talking about it with them, it's helping build healthy relationships relationships too. So to do this effectively, we just want to make sure we really have that safe, non-gent non-judgmental space that's so important because kids need to feel safe sharing how they're feeling without any fear of criticism or ridicule or reassurance or any of those types of things that we are just sitting there with open hands listening to them accepting whatever it is that they want to say even if they're saying that they're frustrated with us because we took their phone away and we're the worst parents in the universe right we we want to create that space For them to be able to listen openly without any reactions from us. So we always want to start by setting it up um, with an invitation, right? So establishing regular check-in times after school, at dinner, maybe even before going to school can be really helpful. When we do this, we want to start with active listening. That's really what we're doing here. It's not so much as what you're responding, right? I, I know I've talked a lot. It's just, being engaged being present so they know we're listening we're, we're showing genuine interest in their feelings we're reflecting back what we hear just to make sure we got it right right so making sure they got we got it right and making sure they feel understood that's really important and when we're doing this we're validating those emotions we're showing our understanding of how they feel right and and we're we're showing our empathy so we might say things like it makes sense to me why you're feeling so frustrated right now that makes total sense or my adjective pack right like dude that sucks Whew, no wonder you're frustrated so we're just validating even if we're like mm, you wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't have to yell at you if you just did your chores and listened in the first place, right? It's like, ah, no wonder you're frustrated, feeling like I'm correcting you all the time. We're just validating that. That's really important. Now, with any big emotion that might feel uncomfortable, we want to make sure we're normalizing all of those emotions. It's normal to experience the full range of emotions, and that's so important. Anger is okay, right? I, I hate when parents come to me, and say, we got to get rid of their anger. Anger management, right? It's it's a problem. It's about managing, right? Like the Hulk couldn't get rid of the Hulk. Dr. Banner couldn't get rid of the Hulk. He had to learn to manage it, to become the, heart, the, the, the smart Hulk. He still needs to have anger to defend you know, himself or things that he loves or things that are important to him. So no feeling is bad. No feeling is wrong, right? It's maybe the behaviors that come out outside of that, from those emotions, but we want to make sure that all feelings are important, all feelings are normal, and we need to be able to experience them. There's a reason for them, right? So anger is to defend what's important to us. We need to have sadness and grief to process what's happened to us, maybe to seek out support. We need to experience fear to to stay safe, that's really important. We need to have disgust so we don't eat rotten food. It makes sense that they're feeling all of these big feelings. And with that normalization, it becomes easier to talk about emotions, right? It's just more about our responses to those feelings. That's where they need the guidance, especially with their behaviors and the screaming and the big meltdowns. That's might be, you know, where they need guidance, but not in the heat of the moment. That's really important. So if you want to invite deeper exploration into things, you certainly can, right? We can ask open-ended questions. What's been going on for you? Looks like there's lots on your plate. What's up? So we can ask those things. But otherwise, if you just set that regular check-in that it's just an expectation, that can be really helpful. One of the things when my girls were younger, we had a magnetic um, emoji card. And I I think there was actually like 30 or 40 different emotions on this this magnetic card that we just had on our fridge. And then they each had their little color-coded marker that they would just put their marker like blue was... For one kid and red was for the other. And then my husband and I also had one, we would each put it on. Right. So every day we're just putting it on. We didn't even have to talk about it right then, but we could see how each other was feeling. Right. And then we would have a discussion around dinner. So, okay, let's talk about how you were feeling when you got home, if that's the same. And really, it was just about how we're feeling. If anybody wanted to talk more about why they were feeling that way, or if they needed help, they could. But otherwise, we were just validating and normalizing. That's it. Um, So we we just want to make sure we're not adding our own agenda because that's going to shut kids down so we're not judging anything obviously we're not directing lecturing criticizing any of that but we're also not fixing or reassuring either if they want like i just need a hug or i just need this then of course we can offer that but we're not jumping in with our own agenda we are truly there to listen and make sure they feel heard and understood Sharing your own emotions as part of this is really important to you, right? So we're modeling emotional expression. Sharing our own feelings appropriately is really important to create that safe space and to encourage our kids to do the same as well. Of course, again, we're never going to push. We're always going to respect their boundaries. So if they're not comfortable discussing a particular emotion or a topic, honor that decision. And I know it's so hard, right? Especially if they're obviously sad and they admit that they're sad or depressed. We want to like jump in and figure out what's going on and make them feel better. No, we cannot. If they don't want to, that's okay. Just acknowledge that sadness. Oh, I can see that, that it's really hard. I'm here for you, kiddo, if you need me, right? But that's part of the reason why you want to establish those regular check-ins so it becomes routine. It becomes normalized so that they would share those big emotions. And with that um, comfort and interest, they're more likely to open up. So I think that that can be really helpful. And one thing you might want to think about, too, with these check-ins is sitting side by side. Kids are more open to or 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 are more likely to open up when they're sitting side by side than if we're directly facing each other. Just that direct eye contact could be really uncomfortable. And even if they're not looking at us, they know we're looking at them can be really uncomfortable. So side by side just helps take off some of that pressure. So teaching emotion identification, that's a fundamental step when we're building exec, um, not executive functioning, emotional intelligence. Yeah, sorry. With younger children, I mean, there's so many lots of easy ways that you could be doing. I mean, reading is a big one, right? Where we're developing emotional intelligence and empathy. So we're maybe using picture books that are centering around emotions where we can ask kiddos to identify and label how different characters are feeling and maybe what happened to make them feel sad or angry or scared. What was going on? There's lots of games out there, too, that you can play. Um, So games that feature facial expressions, body language, different scenarios, um, just different um, scenarios that maybe could be causing an emotion that we're going to guess, or maybe it's depicting various emotions. Why is that guy laughing and this one's Crying, Right. What's going on? There's lots of versions like you can just, you know, uh, mix up games that you already know. So maybe emotion charades, right? Everyone's taking a turn to act out different feelings for other people to guess. So you could have like those emotion guessing games, right? So it could be either charades or you're describing a situation, Right. That made them feel a certain way. And then they're not going to say how they felt. But then other people have to guess how they might be feeling in that situation based on the description. You could do an emotion wheel of fortune kind of game. Right. So maybe you've got a little wheel with different emotions on it and you're spinning the wheel. And when it lands on an emotion, you're discussing times when you felt that way. Um, you could do your own emotionals like dominoes, right? So using either dominoes that you could put stickers on, or maybe you're using your own set of cards that have different feelings, and maybe there's corresponding images or words that go along with those. And then you can, you know, be matching them up, um, could be different scenarios or whatever else. And so they're just, we're creating that chain of dominoes based on matchings, scenarios and feelings and all of those different things. Um, and you can talk about too, you know, if you wanted to, you could talk about different emotions in those as you're putting those, you know, emotionos together. That could be something helpful. You could do a feelings jar, right? So just having a container filled with small slips of paper and each of them on that paper contains a word describing various feelings. And everyone's just taking a turn drawing slips of paper from the jar and then sharing a personal experience or story related to that emotion that's on the paper. Or the group can talk about, you know, strategies for responding to that feeling. You know, if I was at recess and was feeling really angry, how could I manage or respond that effectively? I really like having discussions so kids can start connecting their own emotions and understanding the emotions of others in different situations. And now we're talking about effective strategies and thinking about strategies they have used in the past and strategies they might use in the future. Some of that meta thinking just to help them for managing resp- Responding to feelings um younger kids might like you know feelings memory or a sorting game um you could do a guess who um or you know the headbands game so you put in a, a feeling like in the headband and then they have to ask yes no questions to figure out what feeling that they have um you could do an emotion bingo so different emojis right younger kids are just calling out emotions but you could do this with older kids too right maybe with older kids they're calling it out but when they have a match they have to describe a different scenario um you know uh that that they've been in or rather than giving a feeling they're describing a scenario that would elicit that feeling and then Everybody has to mark what they think the corresponding feeling is on their card. There's lots of ways you could mix it up. Um, So, I mean, with any of these games, I was saying with younger kids, but you would obviously just adapt it easier in, in a way that they understand. But you can make it more subtle and trickier for older teens as well to just to engage with this kind of stuff. We really want children turning towards themselves and regularly identifying how they're feeling at any given time. And this is true for adults as well. So we're going to be practicing and modeling that, but I love the visual aid. So having emoji cards, charts, wheels, whatever it is, an emotion thermometer, all of those different things can be really helpful. And so then at, you know, specific check-ins or establishing routines where we're going to mark how we're feeling right now or how we were feeling at different parts of the day whatever that was right so like the magnetic board as soon as we got home right we would then talk about it later how i was feeling and, and dinner time's a great time to bring out your emoji uh, emoji card or your emotions wheel and just chat about how, how everyone's feeling so just making it routine don't wait just until they're upset or angry right we we want to be talking about it all the time that's really important obviously when you know real life situations from a child's experience through the day comes up we're going to talk about that too get them used to answering questions about how they felt you know so how did you feel when you scored that goal in soccer right how did you feel when you weren't sure you passed your test what do you think your friend felt when you shared your snack with them? Right? So you could talk about those everyday situations. Uh, Emotion journals are a great one too, as long as we're not forcing it. We're not forcing them to write and we're not, you know, always checking to make sure they did it, but maybe we're encouraging them to write or draw their feelings every day. And that's just really helping them connect their emotions to their daily experiences right? Um, Maybe encouraging just artistic expression. They're creating artwork that represents different emotions, and then you can discuss the artwork together. And, And being able to express it through creative means can be really helpful just in processing some of those emotions as well. Um, I also wanted to share this handshake method that I came across from Daniel Goldman's work, but it's really similar to a lot of the things that I talk about where we're facing. We're externalizing our feelings and then facing it and befriending it. So it's just a metaphor, right? where we're we're, um, it's about the process of making friends with our emotions. And so it's a practical tool to help children and teens and adults really develop that emotional self-awareness and regulation, and just keeping it at an arm's distance too. I am not sad. I might be feeling sadness right now, but I am not sadness, like in in um, inside out, right? I'm not that, that's not my entire being. So you can do this as a class or a family. And I think that that's really important rather than just making the one kid do it on on their own, because then they're always going to think, what's wrong with me? Why do I always have to do this? This is so stupid. But if we're doing it as a group or as a family, then that can be really important. So first is recognizing and ad- identifying any recurring emotional habits. So emotional habits are are usually automatic, they're often unconscious, right? It's it's how we react to different situations emotionally to different triggers. So a child might have an emotional habit of getting angry every time someone gives them corrective feedback. Okay? So or they they freak out every time um they have to share, right? So we're going to externalize the emotional habits or, you know, for adults, if someone, every time someone cuts them off in traffic, they're swearing and giving a finger, right? So that would be an example of an emotional, they get really angry and then they're acting. So an emotional reaction. So let's give that, externalize it. Let's give it a name or a character, right? And I've talked a lot about this externalization. So there might be angry Al to to, to, Name the angry habit or the um, driving Dan to talk about the driving. Anger that comes out there, maybe it's the worry monster for anxiety, whatever it else, whatever it is. This step really helps create a very clear and separate identity for each emotional habit because we always feel more than one too. So now we've named it, and when we name it, we can tame it, right? So the next steps to doing that um, is is looking at those emotional habits with curiosity and compassion. It's not about getting rid of it. There's a reason why they're coming up. So instead of fighting against the habits or trying to get rid of them, we're going to embrace them as part of who we are. I mean, we have lots of different parts, right? I have my creative part, I have my sad part, my worried part, my talking, engaging part, my super shy part. We all have our different parts. And so we're embracing all of those parts, no matter what, even our angry, explosive, freaking out friend part, right? Whatever that is. So that's where we're imagining ourselves reaching out for that figurative handshake. With each of our emotional habits, just focus on one at a time. But it's like we're meeting a new friend, and so that gesture is really symbolizing our willingness to accept and understand them. And so that's why we want to come with curiosity. Why did you show up now? Right, big eyes, leaning forward. We're just looking at what is the message here. Why are you here? What is it that that you're trying to protect or defend or um, prevent? Whatever that is. So we want to get to know each emotional habit better. Yeah, it it could be where did it come from? I'm not you know big on knowing where it comes from. It doesn't necessarily matter because it's often outside of our conscious awareness. So more importantly, what is the purpose it serves? We can look at our past experiences and situations that could have contributed to developing these habits, or at least identifying when they show up. We want to get on offense. When is it going to show up again? When is freaking Fran going to show up today, right? If it's Tuesday at two o'clock, when is freaking Fran going to show up? So that self-reflection really helps us gain insights into maybe some of the roots of the emotional responses, but at least we're trying to get a sense of what it's trying to protect, what it's purpose of, and getting on offense so that we can act proactively for whenever it shows up. As we get to know each of our emotional habits better, we can start to neutralize their power over us. It's kind of like he who must not be named in Harry Potter, right? Everyone would not say Voldemort. And by not saying his name, he held so much power over them. When it's mentionable, it's manageable. That's what Mr. Rogers said. When we name it, we can tame it. It doesn't have so much power. It's just a name. It's just a word, right? So that's really important. And so by acknowledging their presence and understanding how they they show up we're we're better equipped already to manage them that's that's a huge piece right there so getting on offense right we 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 know what they feel like when they show up what they want us to do so we want to be ready for them when they do show up and even if they don't show up when we expect them to or they take us by surprise if we're understanding them that's really important because then we can be like oh you're trying to trick me i see what you're up to i'm going to choose a different way to respond so we're consciously making a choice on how to respond in a helpful way versus reacting automatically which is what we normally do so for example if something triggers instead of lashing out in anger the student can be like ah oh, there's angry Al. teacher can i have a break Right. Or or maybe they're asking for, okay when you tell me, I know that Angry Al comes out and I have a really hard time. Can you write it to me? Can you slip me a note about what that feedback is? And then they have time to absorb it. They might still be angry, but there's no one there to verbally aggress against. So their prefrontal cortex can stay online or come back online, right? So those things can be really helpful. So over time, that handshake method really helps children and teens and adults become more attuned to uh, the feelings and the emotional reactions that come out so that they can choose healthier responses. And and really ultimately break unhelpful emotional habits. And I love that approach because it's really letting us embrace emotions as a natural part of being human, which they are, which is important. And that's empowering us to navigate life and all the roller coaster that it brings with us with self-awareness and control. So that's really important. Now, to do any of this, mindfulness is such an important piece. It's really a foundational component of building and strengthening that emotional intelligence. Being mindful is so critical for self-awareness. So, awareness of our emotions, emotion regulation, and I will be talking about that too, but but it's really fostering a deeper understanding of our emotions and our ability to respond to them in helpful ways. And so can consistent practice of mindfulness techniques is important. So mindfulness isn't about relaxing and trying to get rid of, you know, all of those big emotions, it's being mindful of them in the moment. And there's lots of things that we could do throughout the day easily, right? Especially if we're trying to teach kids to bring that mindfulness, we want to bring it to everyday activities that they're already doing. There's no need sitting for an hour, that's not what it's about. So you don't have to do anything structured and, you know, taking an hour to sit and meditate. So it's having mindful moments. Certainly you could do that. Okay, everybody stop. Mindful moment. Focus on your breathing. I personally don't love focusing on our breathing, but some do find that helpful to focus on their breath or whatever that is. Maybe it's just if you are looking at observing every inhalation and exhalation. exhalation. And that practice just really helps anchor them in the present moment. I apologize if you hear my dog barking. I am just gonna keep going and hoping that it's not too distracting. Um, but but we wanna stay present in that moment. And when we're present in the moment, we're not so reactive to emotions. I personally, instead of um breathing, I like doing body scans. I find that it's just helpful to be more anchored and engaged, especially for children. So we're just guiding kids to systematically scan their bodies. I like starting from the top of my head and just paying attention to any physical sensations or tension or discomfort as they go through their body. That practice really enhances their awareness of any bodily reactions to emotions and even just what's going on. How hungry am I feeling? What's my stomach feeling like? Right? All of those things are really important. So having some time during a snack or meal actually on that it can be really helpful. So so practice eating mindfully, savoring each bite, paying attention to using all of your senses. What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What's the texture like? Mindfully walking down the hallway or to the car as they go to school or to the bus. So just, again, fully engaging their senses can be really helpful. Just encouraging them to notice the sights, the sounds, even the sensations of the steps that they're taking as their foot comes down onto the ground and lifts back up and their other foot, you know, comes down. So just paying attention to all of those. Um, you could do guided meditations. And so I, I love one specifically focusing on, you know, self-compassion, gratitude. I think that those can be really helpful. It's just enhancing empathy and emotional connection. And, and so that can be really important. So just capitalizing on mindful observations. Um, or, you know, just using all of their senses, but it could be just um, looking at things too. I used to do one where I was looking at a flower every day, but it got costly to get a flower every day. Um, so just picking up every, anything, you know, like I've got a mouse here. So looking at the mouse, wh- what does it feel like? It's smooth, right? Um, what are the colors? What am I noticing? So all of those things can be really helpful. So just taking whatever, maybe it's a piece of fruit, having them mindfully observe it any details, colors, textures, it just really helps sharpen their attention and their presence. That's really helpful. And so, so, I mean, mindfulness, we know, is helpful for productivity and attention, you know, anything related to ADHD, emotion regulation, self-regulation, but it's really building self-awareness, right? And so, With that self-awareness, then we can do everything that we need to do to regulate our emotions, build our emotional intelligence, and we can continue building that self-awareness with Everything that I've already talked about, you know, the handshake strategy, keeping a feelings journal, having those emotional check-ins, all of those things every day can be really helpful. We can be asking self-reflective questions which can be helpful too. What am I feeling right now? Where do I feel it in my body? Why am I reacting this way? Just to help them prompt some of that introspection and the self-awareness. Um and again, just looking at leveraging where are they able to handle their emotions really well? And what are they doing there? Where do I need to focus on, you know, to improve on? So looking at some of those things. Now with self-awareness, we really need to be able to take action. It's one thing to just be self-aware, but still engage in unhelpful behaviors, right? It's okay, you know, to be aware. I'm sad all the time, but I'm Eeyore, right? And I'm just like, oh, well, there it goes. Just another day in Eeyore's sad life, right? No, we're going to do things differently. And so that that self-awareness, what do I need? Now, sometimes there is no problem solving. Sometimes there is no action. When things are outside of our control, all we can do is just sit and accept and tolerate. That's really important. But we also want to look at those things that we can do differently. I mean, even Even if I don't have control over the situation, I have control over my behaviors. I don't need to freak out if something happened that I don't have control over and don't like, right? So when we're doing things differently, even in our responses, that's really leading to effective emotion regulation skills. And that's essential for EI. So with emotion regulation, kids are understanding, managing, responding to their emotions effectively. So again, everything I've talked about, I mean, journaling, those daily emotional check-ins, all of those things I've talked about are already helpful. Being able to identify some of those unhelpful thinking traps that, you know, Angry Al or Freaking Out Fran like to bring right? I suck at everything. We can maybe start looking at those and how those stories are contributing to our feelings and how they're contributing to some of the unhelpful ways in which we're responding. Of course, we can recognize triggers, especially when those big emotions come out and where do we get stuck in certain thinking patterns, right? So again, we just want to get on offense. Managing any stress proactively is really helpful in the first place, but we really want to get to accepting feelings in the moment as they come up. That's so important. That's a key piece here. And teaching kids, again, it's normal to experience a wide range of emotions, whatever those are. It's okay to feel them. And so learning to sit with them and tolerating them, that's important as well. Now, when we can regulate our emotions, we can then engage in effective problem solving if we need to. So that's important for emotional intelligence because, again, it's part of that taking action. I've talked a lot about problem solving before, especially, you know, in this resilience journey and throughout my podcast along with things like emotion regulation, of course, but it's really taking a collaborative stance. So we're not telling kids what to do. We're guiding them through the process to figure out, to identify what the problem is, to brainstorm a bunch of different solutions, maybe looking at a few of those ideas of solutions and evaluating the pros and cons of the different options that they have. So then they can choose which one am I going to try, And then we're going to evaluate it did it work out and then we can adjust what you know what we were doing that's really important to develop this skill my daughter right now is actually going through some huge friendship fire things and this is the process i can see very clearly what needs to happen i can see very clearly what could be done to make it all go away it's been like a whole weekend and now a couple of days And I can see very clearly, but I'm not jumping in. I'm not telling her what to do. I'm guiding her through to problem solve. And on the weekend, she did not make the right choice, right? And she was trying to avoid come Monday morning. And I was not allowing her to avoid. We need to face it and tolerate it. But you know, I didn't tell her what she needs to do to make her Monday better. So it's really guiding. And I know anything I would say, she would probably do the opposite. So maybe I should just tell her what not to do, and then she'll do what she is supposed to do. But that's not going to help her figure out the problem solving, right? That's that's really important. Um, empathy is a vital component of EI as well. So incorporating empathy, building activities into the day, you can do that. That's really important. So kids can connect and understand what their feelings and other feelings more deeply as well. A lot of again, a lot of the things I've talked about with emotion identification that can help here too. So the emotion charades, the the emotion bingo, all of those things can be really helpful. I love sharing short stories as well. So short stories or different scenarios From different perspectives, kind of think of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, right? We're looking at the same story, the main story over here, but from different perspectives and discussing how each character might feel from these different perspectives and why, even though the situation is exactly the same, everybody might feel a little bit differently. That can really help kids practice seeing situations from multiple viewpoints. And this is why reading is so foundational in building empathy in early years. So important. Um, But again, if you're having regular conversations about feelings and doing those daily check-ins, you're already creating a safe space for empathy. Right. And it, because we're not, they're not the only ones talking. We're all sh- talking and sharing. And so they're developing that empathy and support within the family or within the classroom, the group that they're doing all of these things. And if they're doing something like journaling, maybe they can write about the situation where they felt empathy and what they did, how, how it made them and other people feel, you know, they could look at that, reflecting on those experiences can help deepen the empathy as well. And it can be brought into a discussion as well. In a classroom setting, you could um, pair up students and they're taking turns discussing a personal issue from from their own perspective. And now maybe they're going to switch roles. And now they're just going to discuss the exact same situation from their partner's viewpoint. And I had actually done that on the weekend with my one daughter just saying, okay, let's take a step back and look at it from different angles. And just to try to figure out what the heck is going on here in this friendship fire. Um, I didn't wait until she was, you know, in a place that her prefrontal cortex was online. So in the moment when I tried doing it, it didn't go great. But later on when she was calm, prefrontal cortex was back online, we were able to do that and look at different viewpoints. So that exercise really fosters understanding because now children are being immersed in, you know, somebody else's emotions or perspectives. Um, I love doing things like empathy mapping. So maybe just doing simple worksheet. I mean, just taking a piece of paper and splitting it up into two columns, what I see, what I feel. And so kids can observe someone Right, Someone in a situation, it could be in real life, it could be on a YouTube video, but just observing someone's emotions um, and being able to write down or discuss what they perceive and how they imagine the person feels and even maybe some of their motivation. So that exercise really enhances some of the observational skills and some of that emotional empathy as well. Um, You could do empathy walks. You could go into a public place and have everyone observe people's body language, their expressions, you know, tone of voice, if they can hear them talking and then sharing insights and maybe guessing, you know, how people were feeling afterwards and why do you think that? Why do you think that? Um, We used to do that at the airport waiting, you know, for an airplane. We would always just kind of, how are people feeling and what are their backstories and where are they going and we would create a whole different like a, a whole world around different people that we saw um creating empathy cards as well can be really helpful you know so maybe your have kids can giving the, give them to friends or family um it's just showing them to, you know, that I care about you, I'm thinking about you. And if something difficult has happened, maybe they're expressing understanding and and showing their support during difficult times and doing things like that. Just even simple, like I'm thinking about you, it doesn't even have to be because of something sad. It's just really encouraging them to build that empathy and providing active support too. I think that that can be really helpful. It's really easy just to be uncomfortable and walk away. Um, volunteer work, obviously, right? Anything that we can do where we're directly experiencing um, helping others and addressing feelings of others who might be in need. I mean, that's just such a practical way to develop empathy through real-life interactions and compassion, which is important too. Um, There's lots of apps and digital tools. I'm not going to go into them. I mean, there's the mood meter, um, There's the smiling mind. I mean, there's lots of different interactive ways for children to track their emotions. I just personally... I'm like, let's just get off screens. Screens are the problem in the first place. So I prefer other things. But if, if you don't, if you have a child, it's hard to engage in discussions or games or doing any of these other activities. Maybe that's a way you can try. Um, most important, of course, though, is really modeling that emotional intelligence. Children learn so much by observing how we adults in their lives handle our emotions, how we interact with our emotions, how we interact with others, how we seek support, all of those. Those kinds of things. So, through this week, I mean, I'm always giving a takeaway, but whatever you choose to work on, in addition to that, make sure you're being the best role model you can be. And it's not to say that you're never feeling anger or stress, that's not it. I've talked about this a lot. Feel all the big emotions. I want you to feel all the big emotions. And I want kids to be able to see you feel all those, those big emotions. But it's what are you going to do about it? And if you can verbally talk about it and discuss it, like, wow, I'm feeling really stressed right now. Oh, man, I can feel the pressure in my chest. It is Like an elephant is sitting, right? We're going to say where it is in our body. What does it feel like? So it feels like an elephant sitting on my chest, crushing my chest. Is it more on the left or right? More on the left, right? We're keeping our prefrontal cortex online. We're getting curious with it. And then what is it that I need to do right now? So maybe I need to go for a walk or shake it off, or, you know, maybe I need to go and reschedule my schedule so it's not so busy or whatever it is. We're just showing and modeling that. So I'll leave it there for today. It is fast and furious as always. Thank you for joining me. I've given you lots of ideas. I do hope something in there you found um, valuable for you to work on for this week. So remember, nurturing that emotional intelligence, it really does take time, but it is learnable. And when we do teach it and learn it, I mean, the benefits are immeasurable. So again, I want you working on something, building on these skills. Your task for this week is to choose one of those ideas to focus on right figure out what it is that you want to work on is it one of those skills like emotion regulation if they don't have self-awareness that's important if they can't identify feelings that's important figure out what you're going to work on and how you're going to incorporate that strategy into daily practice it's because you know we need that regular daily practice that's so important and ideally i mean the more you do it the better three times a day fantastic So encouraging regular discussions, right? Encouraging activities that promote some of these skills and reinforce all the changes that you do see, at least, you know, even in just the effort of trying, right? If they're having a hard time articulating how they're feeling, but they're really looking at the emotion wheel and kind of guessing, that's okay, right? This is hard. So we want to reinforce that. So until next time, help those kiddos be bold and courageous, and I will see you next week.